Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we go again to your word, uh, this time to look at the gift of prophecy in our spiritual gift series, we pray that you would, you would help each of us to understand and be inspired and lay hold of this gift. We pray for that, Lord. We pray against hearing and not doing. Uh, we pray against the sermon that's difficult to hear. I pray for your grace to be on me, your grace to be on us as we look at this thrilling bit of equipment called the gift of prophecy. Help us, Father, we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. So we continue in our spiritual gift series. Uh, we're, we're not too far off the end of it. And today we're looking at the gift of prophecy. Let's start with um, a definition. Guys, can I turn this? Is that okay? Sam, we'll just check that. Is that okay? Okay, great. All right, definition. So prophecy refers to hearing and speaking spirit-given truths from the Lord. Uh, these truths may be directly biblical, might be a verse from Scripture for you or for us. It may be a bit more abstract, a-biblical, not non-biblical. If it's anti-biblical or non-biblical, we don't want anything to do with it. But it may be uh, some paraphrase or some theme or just something that we know from Scripture is useful and helpful to us. That would fall into the category of a-biblical but biblical. The thing it can't be is, is non-biblical. So if someone's prophesying uh, something completely contrary to Scripture, um, that wouldn't be um, a genuine prophecy at all. Look at, uh, um, look at the three verses. Sorry, I think I missed this out. Um, so we're just going to back up. Gift of prophecy. Um, here it is in three different passages in Scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 10. All three passages are talking about the gifts. It says, to one this, to one this, to one this, to another prophecy. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And Romans 12, 6. Having gifts, mentioning different ones. Um, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. On the back of Scripture, let's do our definition again. The, def the Bible doesn't anywhere give a very pithy, clear definition of prophecy. So we have to do some deductive work. We have to see what the Bible says about prophecy and where prophecy happens. And then we, uh, we deduce a, um, a definition from that. And our definition is hearing and speaking spirit-given truths from the Lord. Maybe directly from Scripture. It won't be non-biblical, but it may, may not be quoting a verse. That's fine as well. And then there's a spectrum, and this is where it's very exciting. As with some of the spiritual gifts, there's a spectrum from all to some and to a few. So as we go by in this sermon, uh, you will see that all believers, anyone who's a Christian, seem to be able to prophesy in some way. We're going to call it prophecy light. We can all play. Then the Bible speaks of the gift of prophecy that some will have and others won't have. And then the Bible speaks of prophets. That would be those who have a mature or developed gift in this area. So there's light, there's medium, there's developed for all, some, or a few. Whichever category you think you're in, or would like to be in, we're just going to learn together, okay? So I hope this will help anyone who's a full-blown prophet here, right down to those of us who say, I, I want to I prophesy in, in whatever way I possibly can. So there's a spectrum. 
uh, we're going to look now at five scriptures to help us acclimate to prophecy. Okay, we're just touching down five of them to help us uh, begin to get a hold of what prophecy is and isn't. So 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 3, pursue love and earnestly desire. Please say earnestly desire. The spiritual gifts, especially that you may, the one who prophesies speaks to people, speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. So two things we learn here, we are to earnestly, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Earnestly desire is not, yeah, I'm open to the Spirit. Earnestly desire is not, if God wants to give me a gift, then he can. Earnestly desire is not, yeah, I'm a charismatic, but, you know, with a seatbelt. Imagine how much trouble you would get into if you said, I'm earnestly, uh, uh, oh, I'm just open, uh, not earnest, I'm just open to sound doctrine. We'd say, no, 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 don't just be open, pursue it. So we're in red-hot pursuit of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is why we've done this lengthy series on the gifts of the Spirit. It's just simple. If the Bible says earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, that's what we do. Um, Especially that you may prophesy. Interesting. Explanation not yet given. But when the great apostle Paul says, especially prophecy, we're all ears. And we're immediately on a mission to find out what prophecy is and how we can do it. Because the Bible, the Apostle Paul says, there's something special about prophecy. Acclamation scripture number two, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 22. Now just first up, catch the flow. Don't look for the prophecy bit necessarily. Catch the flow of this. Paul's writing to the Thessalonians. And he says a number of things. Rejoice always. Would you, would you say that's good advice? Is that the kind of advice you, would, you give to one another? Pray without ceasing, yes? Standard. Christianity 101. Rejoicing, praying, giving thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Uh, Do not despise prophecies. Yep, great. Uh, But test everything. He's talking about prophecies there. And hold fast to what is good. Okay. Um, Now he moves on to abstain from every form of evil. What do we learn from this, this flow? We learn that Paul assumed that prophecy was a common occurrence alongside rejoicing, giving thanks, praying, and abstaining from sin. It's like one of the list. It's the way we roll. Prophecy is part and parcel of Christianity 101. Rejoicing, praying, giving thanks, not quenching spirit, holding far abstaining from evil and prophesying and testing prophecy. It's not like this category for some churches or some believers. This is amongst, this is in. This is a common occurrence. The second thing that I learned from this is that Paul assumes that prophecy is a little bit hit and miss. So if someone says to you, oh, I don't want anything to do with prophecy because it's not always accurate. It's like Paul says, yeah, to test it and hold on to the good bits and let the bad bits just fly through. He's not a perfectionist about it. He does say take care and test and writing to the Corinthians he says take care. But it's assumed that it's going to be a bit hit and miss. 
hold fast to the good bits. The bits that don't stick or shouldn't stick, just let, let, let them go by. Acclamation scripture number three, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 24 and 31. For if all, if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, for he's called to account by all. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. Now, I've, I've taken a scripture out of a passage that talks a lot about prophecy. I'm just drawing one, one point here. Paul uses the word all an awful lot. He's not actually suggesting that everyone prophesies, but he is, as in from up front, but he is saying when people prophesy, whether it's from up front or maybe an unbeliever comes in and he's part of a prayer group and there's something prophetic that goes on that shows him that God knows things, that God's real, that he'll be convicted and, and helped. But the point here is prophecy, there's something in prophecy, not just for the developed, mature prophets, but for all of us. So if you, you can actually all prophesy. Acts 2, when Paul, the Spirit comes, uh, the, the, the prophecy that Peter reads uh, from the book of Joel is is particularly all, all flesh, sons and daughters, old men, dream, dream. Young, young men will prophesy. There's, a, there's an all about it. It's not just for the select few. Wonderful. Um, number four, acclamation scripture number four, Romans 12, 6. We're, we're told that if your gift is prophecy, use it in proportion to your faith. Again, that's so liberating. You might have prophecy here. Someone else might have prophecy here. Don't compare yourself with them. As you've got faith, as you feel comfortable, prophesy. That'll probably grow incrementally, but don't force it. And don't feel you're a second-class citizen. Someone's here. Paul's just assuming we've got different levels and abilities and graces from God for these things. And the last one, we're, we're told that in the church at Antioch, Acts 13, there were prophets and teachers. I put this, this in as an acclamation scripture because um, with only a very cursory reading of the Bible or with a kind of anti-spirit disposition, it's quite convenient to say, oh, you know what? Prophecy is the same as teaching today. And it actually isn't. There's a difference. Why would there be prophets and teachers? If it was the same thing, why not just say prophets? Or just say teachers. And Ephesians 4 also speaks of different gifts. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Uh, prophet and teacher, they're mentioned separately. Uh, Romans chapter 12 uh, also speaks about the gift of teaching. And it speaks about the gift of prophecy. So in case you're thinking, oh, they're one and the same thing. Um, that they're, they're not presented as such in scripture. So that's enough on, on acclamation. Let's go to this interesting bit on why does this gift above all catch the apostle's eye like it does? Like, why does he say, eagerly desire all the gifts, especially prophecy? Why especially prophecy? Are there any indications in scripture why prophecy is special, especially prophecy? I think we, there are some indications. Let's look at, again, five verses that help us see why especially 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 3, the one who prophesies speaks to people 
you're prophesying, speaks to people for their upbuilt, if, to say these words out, they're phenomenal, for, for their what? What does prophecy do? It, for their upbuilding and, and so if you were to get a thousand church leaders across America together and say, guys, you have got five seconds to come up with three things you most want to see in your church, I reckon many would come up with an upbuilding environment, an encouraging environment, and a caring environment, a consoling environment for those who are hurting. hurting. These are three heavy-duty, epic characteristics that any church leadership team, any church longs for. Like, would you not love to say, but someone says, describe monument in three words. Would it not be wonderful to say, oh, it's an upbuilding place, it's an encouraging place, and it's a consoling or comforting place for those who need consoling and comforting. And blow me down, Paul says, prophecy boosts these three things. It's not to say that other gifts don't also contribute, but Paul says, prophecy does these it's a tide rising gift prophecy it's pr very broad if if there's a church where prophecy is present from all to some and a few you're going to find that these things like like the three boats a boat of encouragement a boat of consolation and the boat of upbuilding you're going to find these these three boats rise when the tide of prophecy rises it's got broad powers, this gift. It's an atmosphere setter. What makes for a comforting, encouraging upbuilding? Well, amongst other things, prophecy. Why especially second scripture, 1 Timothy 4, 14? It's because it's very catalytic. Look at this. Do not neglect, Paul is writing to Timothy, he says, Tim, don't neglect the gift you have. How did he get it? Which was given you by when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Details not given, but Paul's saying there was something about the prophecy that was brought on Timothy during a hand-laying session with some of the elders, likely that he was being installed as an elder or lead elder or something, not sure, but the, our point is a gift. Paul traces back the origin of the gift to that prophecy. So what, what, what can we say from that? We, we can say that prophecy can impart a gift or it can catalyze or activate a gift. This is powerful stuff. At prayer and fasting, um, on Tuesday night and Wednesday night, uh, at one, one point, one of the evenings, I found myself, it was me and four girls, all around about the age of 10, 11, and 12, I think. Just me and, me and four girls. It was the part of the evening when we were dividing up and going to different places to pray for spiritual gifts, different clusters. If you've got any of those gifts, go in that corner, those gifts there, those gifts there, those gifts there. When you get there, get into twos or threes and pray for more activation, for more power, more, more, more wattage for, for these gifts in your lives. So this little group of, of little girls comes down the front, and I say, oh, which group are you going to? 
One of them says, they're, they're this big. One of them says, um, oh, we want to we pray in between the front two groups because we can't decide. <laughs> so when I heard that, I thought this is exactly the kind of group I want to pray with. They just eagerly desire gifts, and they're a little bit naughty. You know, the leader says, go to one of these groups. They, they go, obey, not obey, you know? Just love it. So we got praying for each other, and I prayed uh, for them. Um, the three of us prayed out of the five, and I prayed that God would catalyze the gift of encouragement. I prayed that there would be four of the most encouraging girls in their schools, I pray that people would, would pray, would say, she's so encouraging. I pray that their families would say, wow, she's good at encouraging. And I was doing this. I was trusting God for an activation, and an impartation of the gift of encouragement. And I was prophesying as I was praying. I believe people are going to say this about you. I was blending prayer with prophecy. Not just asking, I was I was pro prophesying. Why especially? Well, a, th a third verse. Oh, let me just go back um, on this imparting gifts. Um, I was in another group, and I was getting prayed for, and the group was praying for me to just get going in the gift of physical healing again. Because God, over the years, has used me to heal people. God does it, but, but through me. Um, but I've taken some serious health knocks in my life, and it's kind of put me on the back foot a little bit. And they were, they were praying, might it, might it be activated? I don't think they were imparting more of the gift, or I don't think I was getting it for the first time. I think I've got it, but they were like, come on. And I, I trust in the years to come, I'll look back and say, yes, it was, it was in October 2020. It was just an activation there, 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ash. <laughs> And um, I had, I had a, another a younger man uh, say to me, he was in a, he was in a, a group um, over one of the nights with, I think it was the same night, spiritual gift prayer night, with Corby. And Corby is, I think he's in his 40s or 50s or 60s. Anyway, he's an older guy, you know. And he was in a group with some younger guys. And one of the younger guys said to me, Flip, it was epic being in a group with Corby, eh? I said, why, why? He said, when we're, well, we're praying for leadership, and Corby just starts praying for us. And interesting, he said, um, he made it all about us, us younger guys. That was the first thing that got his, captured his imagination. And he's, he was just praying that we are leaders. That was the thing that I, I, my ear went to. He wasn't just praying for a bit more leaders. He was prophesying, you are leaders. God has made you leaders, so lead. And this, little, this guy I was speaking to, it felt to me like something had been activated in him. Because it wasn't just a prayer, it was a prophecy, it was a prophetic prayer. Something was different between just saying, please may this little chap grow into a nice leader. No, he was prophesying. Um, why especially verse 3, Acts 13, verse 2 to 3. So this was a leadership team, it seems. Uh, whilst they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Now, what are the chances in terms of how the Holy Spirit actually said something? What are the chances? Like, how did it probably happen? Writing on the wall? It's pretty likely that someone said, hey, guys, I feel, I just feel God saying X, Y, Z. 
Luke, Dr. Luke, he's paraphrasing you. See, he's saying the Holy Spirit said, but I'm pretty sure that would have been through someone. I'm pretty sure someone said, I feel God saying, and I, I feel God saying that although Barnabas and Saul have really founded this church, they were, they were the two guys. Guys, I, I know this is unexpected, but I feel God saying that we need to release them to take the gospel further and do what they've done here again and again and again. I know they're the founder members, the founder leaders, but I just feel, I feel that what's the, what God's saying. That's how I reckon it happened. Then after fasting and praying, I reckon that was probably testing the word. <laughs> they laid hands on them and sent them off. Blow me down. Prophecy catalyzed a fresh call to ministry. It actually got the Apostle Paul being the Apostle Paul, not Saul. He got his name changed early in this trip. Prophetic word. Prophecy did that. And it catalyzed church planting. The trip they went on, you follow it, it was around the northeast end of the Mediterranean. Trip one and then trip two went further and trip three got, he got to Rome. This was quite a prayer meeting. Then after fasting and praying on Tuesday and Wednesday night, several times a year. Look, man, anything can happen when we get together to fast and pray. Whew. What a gift. Um, verse 4, fifth verse about why especially... Let's go to the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 17, 25. So a bit of background, a prophet called Nathan. Nate prophesied to David that God would build a temple through his son Solomon. Nate said, David, you're not the man, Solomon's the man. Look at David, look at the response. Then David prayed, for you, my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray before you. <laughs> so, this is fantastic. David gets a word from the prophet saying, actually, David, you're not going to do the thing you really wanted to do. But because prophecy is upbuilding and encouraging and consoling, David still came out of it with courage and with an urge to pray. And we saw that time and again on Tuesday and Wednesday night. Like at Wednesday night, we were like a, all a bit, you know, low, low blood sugar level. Till about 20 minutes in, I was scratching around trying to lead it and help us find a bit of a groove. And then a couple of people started to prophesy, and it was like the wind of God just filled our sail. It was prophecy came and helped us to pray. And someone brings a, a prophetic word, and then I, whoever's hosting it, says, let's pray into that. And it's just like the life of God is there, because God's spoken. Hey, God's saying, hey, pray into this. We pray. David found this. He found courage to pray. Prophecy makes prayer, it, it lifts prayer. Catalyzes courage, it catalyzes prayer, and catalyzes action. David got busy. And look at this final verse, 2 Chronicles 15, 7 to 8. But you, comes the prophecy, take courage. It was to, to king, a, a king, from a prophet to a king. But you, take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. 
Jim, just pop up here. I just want to use you as a prop. I just want to, I want to, to just bring some sanity to how this was probably brought. So, so um, Jim, I just want to pray for you and prophesy. I believe, I believe the Lord would say, take courage and don't let yourself be weak. Don't be discouraged. Don't let your hands be weak. And God wants you to know that the things that you are just laboring a bit in, it's going to come through. Your work is going to be rewarded. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so we often think Old Testament prophet, Whoa, you know, and I could never do that. I just did what he did. I did, I did prophetic prayer for Jim, with exactly the same content. This is a great thing to prophesy over one another. You can, you can nick other people's prophecies, by the way, and use them for someone. The Lord probably reminded you of their prophecy, so you can use it on someone else. Um, as soon as Asa, Jim, as soon as Asa heard these words, the, prophesi- the prophecy of Azuria, the son of Obed, he took courage. Isn't that great? As a result of the prophecy, he was more courageous. And, and he was more holy. He put away detestable idols. There was something about this courage. There was nothing in this prophecy about putting away idols and being more holy. The prophecy was not, how's your heart, brother? The Lord knows how deep and dark your heart is. The Lord's, the Lord's saying to you, you need to purify your... This prophecy just does things. Courage. God's with you. Don't be weak. The result is, he, he t- I just want to serve you, Lord. Sorry for doing that. Sorry for doing that. And that and that. Catalyzed courage. It catalyzed purity. And he got busy. He repaired the altar of the Lord. This is a mighty gift. Stop. Let's do some reminders so far before we get practical. Uh, What have we learned? We've learned it's a special gift. We've learned that it spans specialists to everyone. These heavy-duty Old Testament prophets and Agabus and others in the New Testament prophets, but we all get to play. Hallelujah. It spans specific to general. It can be as specific as you're receiving a gift from the Lord or a word about building a temple or not building a temple. It can be as general as something that's upbuilding, encouraging, and consoling. Often if you're praying or talking to someone who needs consoling, that's where you start. You think, oh, prophecy will help console her. And then you, that, that, that leads you into, you, become, you, you think of a verse, or you think of something, and you don't just say, I want to read you a verse. Good luck, God bless. You say, no. God here says this, and I believe God wants you to hear this. He wants you to know this. There's a personal and an immediate thing, and it's a supernatural thing. I'm just, th- this is how God, we're naturally supernatural. So to us, it feels rather natural. God's making it super. But unless we do the natural, the super never gets through. It can be specific or general. It can be a general tide raiser, or it can be catalytic. And we've also seen that we're to welcome it, not despise it, to welcome it, but we are also to weigh it. So let's not throw our brains away. Other things to note. 
I've just given a few summary points, just a couple of other things I couldn't fit into this first section, but are very important. There is a bit of a blurred edge with other gifts, with prophecy. So in Acts 2, it, it, it says your young men will dream dreams and see um, old, old men, young men, uh, maidservants, um, men, women of any age, there's a cluster given, dreams, vision, and prophecy. They sort, sort of seem in the same zone. 1 Corinthians 14 speaks a lot about prophecy, tongues, and interpretation, similar zone. John 4 is very interesting. It's Jesus with the woman at the well, and he brings a word of knowledge about how she's had a number of husbands. And she says, I perceive you are a prophet. And Jesus didn't correct and said, oh, actually, that was a word of knowledge I brought. I'm not technically a prophet. He, he just rolled with it. So wh what does this teach us? Therefore... Therefore, we can say there's a prophetic cluster of gifts, all to do with hearing and speaking, spirit-given messages. So let's try and define each gift, like tongues interpretation, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, so on. Let's try and define them as clearly as possible, but also let's not get all pedantic about these definitions. We can leave uh, the edges somewhat blurred. A couple of other things to note. Paul, and again, I'm now not taking you to scriptures because I don't want it to be overload, but Paul says we are to desire them, but we're also to do them decently. And a lot of his teaching to the Corinthians is, hey, this is a better way to do it. Now, praise God that they had so much spiritual prophetic action going on that the message they needed was Here's a better way to do it, not come on, do it. <laughs> so we desire we need to do it decently. And then a little bit soberingly, when he's instructing on this, he said it can, con prophecy can convict. That means do good, cut into the heart of do unbelievers good, or it can confuse the socks off them. What do we learn from this? Well, we know from our own experience, don't we, that even theologically, even the if we are theologically convinced by the need for prophecy and the gifts, we can get scared off, embarrassed, or paralyzed by poor working models. Have you, have, has anyone ever found that? Like, I, it's absolutely awful sometimes, isn't it? In terms of what we see in the wider church about this. And we're left thinking sometimes... I know we should be doing it, but I really don't know how to do it, except like that, and that is just embarrassing. And I wouldn't bring my not-yet-Christian friend within a mile of that crazy stuff. So you know what? We're just going to not do it. I wish I had a better way to explain this, but... And, and maybe the thought goes off, please would someone come up with a sensible and sustainable working model? We need, an, we need an eager and intelligent way to do this. If it's just intelligent and protection, it's like it squeezes the life out of it. But if it's a complete free for all, it's just so eager, anything goes, anytime, anyone, it's not going to work either. So I, we just need to face this as a challenge. The Bible says be very eager, but also be intelligent 
in the way you do these, particularly these prophetic gifts. So, the final stage, the latter stage of this message is, so let's talk Sunday meetings. We'll, we'll talk, in the, how, do you, how do you prophesy individual prayer for each other in just a moment? But in Sunday meetings, how do we try and do it in an eager and intelligent way at monuments? Well, just one verse that I think is helpful in terms of scriptural principles. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, let two or three prophets speak. And again, I don't know if he's meaning prophet, prophet, or prophetic contributions. Is it prophecy light? Is it prophecy developed? Not sure. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silenced. (laughs) He's so matter-of-fact, isn't he? Shut up. Uh, For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and be encouraged, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Okay, a few quick learnings from this. Two or three. Why two or three? I I think he's being mindful of people's capacity to receive. Because when you've got a prophetic word, it's like you, you're so excited with it. You don't think, your first thought isn't always or often, have people got capacity to hear this now? Like they've just stumbled into the room or, you know, it's been a long meeting. And I think Paul's been quite pragmatic here. I think he's saying there's only a certain amount of capacity we have especially if you want to actually absorb them, because the way it, you've got to sort of absorb it, you know? Otherwise, it's just, oh, that was nice, bounces off, that was nice, bounces off. There's no even internal weighing, because weighing isn't just the protectionist thing. Weighing is not despising. So I'm feeling the weight of what was said. Mm. Mm. And if we're just ready to bring our word, but not conscious of what's people's capacity, you know, we, we can actually miss it. So he's mindful of people's capacity, both the amount and the connection. So again, it, sometimes in meetings, it, it can feel like we're bouncing around. You know, we're praising Jesus, and then if a word comes from left field, okay, that's great. And then another one comes here, but there's no, there's no connection at all. We're not saying they're not from God. We're just saying we can't keep up. So there's something about capacity and connection, that whether you're teaching or prophesying, or really anyone up front, all the time you're thinking, are people getting this? Are they staying with it? And if they're not, you don't just barrel on, you cut back. Because otherwise you're just on your own mission. So he's mindful of people's capacity. Um, He's also mindful of the importance of other activities, I think. In other places he says, do this when you're in public together. Do not neglect the public reading of scripture. all he says about preaching, exhortations to preach and teach and so on. So I think saying two or three, he's cognizant that there are other such important things going on. So for example, if we have three prophetic words and each take two minutes each, and they'll need some framing, we've just lost two whole songs. And we've probably lost some capacity to hear the, hear the word preached later. Now, that may be absolutely what God's doing in a meeting, but there's just a a reality component of, hey, we want to worship God as well. And we want to hear the the preached word as well. And talking about Hello Fall event is really important because the Bible says we're a family. 
and we drink and we party together with the best of them. It's drink and eat and party together. <laughs> we drink and eat and party together with the best of them. So it's not, oh, that was unspiritual. You know, we don't need announcements. Let's just have more preaching. No. This book says we're a family. And when we're together on Sunday, we try and reflect these components. So the point is, we're fitting everything that's done on Sunday gets fitted in with other important things. Are you tracking okay? Okay, cool. Um, this word let, that, that implies there's some leadership. I mean, who lets? Now, I mean, y'all are so well-mannered. You know, there's not, there's not <laughs> it's not hard to lead, but it does imply there's leadership. I found experientially that more leadership with things prophetic are needed in larger gatherings and more diverse gatherings. So here today, we have we have uh, Christians and not yet Christians present. Some of you are not yet believers. Um, we want to be very mindful of you. And like, you're still just trying to figure out who Jesus is, and then prophecy comes from here. If you weren't present, like in a, maybe at a prayer and fasting night, maybe, I mean, your non-Christians are so welcome to come along, but in those contexts, it's less diverse, spiritually speaking. And in terms of experience, we, we, we needs a little bit less leadership be a bit, bit more of a free-for-all. And then small groups in someone's house or a group of friends meeting to pray, you don't even need a leader. It's just like, if you've got a prophetic word, just, just bring it. Then this word, all. That's interesting. Paul's just saying, two or three, you get the idea. He's not, he's not laying it down. He's saying there's flex here. So we learn that this is not an exact science, and there's latitude for leadership discretion. And that means leaders are just going to get it wrong sometimes. No problem. Uh, or you might feel they've got it wrong. So, uh, sometimes I, I get to the end of a meeting and think, oh, I got that so wrong. But it's not like beat yourself up. It's like there is, there is discretion here. I don't know if you've been in some of the meetings that I've, I've hosted. Sometimes I, I, I say to someone, um, okay, can you just put that on hold, thanks? And, you know, they chuck off back to the meeting. And then about three minutes later, I'm saying, bring it, bring it, because someone else has just brought something with such a, a similar theme. Uh, it's not an exact science. Let's be chilled. We figure it out as we go. Um, then I want to move away from this verse and just give us some common language, really, for different types of contribution on a Sunday. And again, this is just to help us in this stage of where we are as a church. The first type of contribution is the sense. I just sense that. Now, we have one of these um, this morning. Um, someone said to me in the huddle, hey, I just sense that um, this morning, we're just going to know unusual generosity of God giving us many different things and riches. Before Tuesday night of prayer and fasting, I was walking in. Michael grabbed me on the way in. He said, he, he just said, marriage. I think there's something to do with marriage tonight. And I went, okay, thanks. And honestly, in my head, I thought, yeah, whatever. And not quite whatever, because I'm too godly and spiritual to think whatever. I just thought, whatever. Blow me down. We get this text note from, from a church, and the specific thing this church wants, this is actually on Wednesday night, Michael said on Wednesday night, and this, one of the specific prayer requests from this, this church in North Carolina, Hickory, was, hey, we need some strong marriages in our churches. 
And I was just hugely helped by that. And we prayed into marriages, and we feel we need to get some, some marriages down, uh, down to their church and help strengthen them. That's just the sense. And these, are off, these words are often not even brought up front. You're just letting the leaders, whoever's leading the meeting, say, I just sense that. And you don't need to go on on a big thing. You just say, I sense there's something going on with marriage this morning. Or I sense there's something to do with God's generosity and extravagance to us. And that can really help those who are leading worship or preaching or, or hosting the meeting. Because it, it helps us just join the dots of the spe- specific things that God is saying prophetically this morning. So there's the sense. Don't usually bring it, you just throw it into the mix. Then there's the worship booster. So it'd be great here if, if you would say to the person who's hosting the meeting, or maybe the worship leader before the meeting, something like that, hey, just so you know, I've got a 10 to 20 second worship booster. And why do you say 10 to 20 seconds? Because it, it makes it very easy for us to say yes to as opposed to, I've got a three-minute exhortation on worship. It's just like, listen, we have planned this meeting to some degree. <laughs> but 10 or 20 seconds, 20 or 30 seconds, hey, it's great. And the role of the worship booster is to boost worship. Do you know we all stumble in here, don't we? You know, your car rattled on the way here, and you think, oh, no, I've got another bill. Um, most marriages have their biggest fights on the way to church, if you notice that. Um, it can, you, you, you slept in, you're, you're feeling dozy. Um, it can take us two, two or three songs to kind of get in there. But for someone, even in the first song, end of the first song, just to come up and not kill all the momentum, we're trying to worship Jesus, right? But just, just to say, hey, that line in the song, I feel God just wants to say it's true, it's true, and he's worthy of praise. Off you go. Something happens in the room. More than, it's not just public speaking that went on. It's, an ex, it's a prophetic exhortation. I, f- I feel God wants us just to latch on to the, that line, line two of the song. These guys often do it without even, they just sort of do it subconsciously. They hone in on, on a little phrase or a word. It could be half a verse of scripture. If you're doing a worship boost, the reading more than a verse isn't usually going to boost there's usually, when we take eight verses, there's usually one word that it's all about. I want to encourage you, just bring that one word. Just, just, just bring, don't turn it into a reading of scripture. We can't keep up. It's, it's too much. Just, what's that half a verse or a verse? That's the thing, that, that's the essence. Just, just distill it down to that and bring it and watch the life of God. It just lifts. I think we're, we're pretty good at worship boosters. Love them. And sometimes they, they're great. Keep them if we need them. Uh, here's another one. Word of knowledge. So again, here's when you might say to the person who's hosting the meeting, hey, just so you know, I think I've got a word of knowledge and it's in the realm of sickness. Or I've got a word of knowledge for someone or people here. It's in the realm of relationships. Or I've got a word of knowledge and it's in the realm of a specific thing in someone's life. And I'll usually say, great, what? You say, knees, sore knees. They're cool. That's all you need to say. It's like a word of knowledge in that area. And then where would that fit best in a meeting? After song two, probably not. Because we're trying to worship the Lord. After song three, I don't know, probably not. We're trying to worship God. Now these are great, but we don't want to cut across worship. At that stage, we want worship boosters. But maybe towards the end of worship. Or even at the end of worship. Or after the preach. So we're just going to have a time of prayer and so-and-so. 
uh, felt they had a word of knowledge from the Lord. Can you, can you come up? And they bring it. Maybe someone else as well. And then we can pray into those things. Again, it's not an exact science. And then uh, there's another one. A word for the church. I feel God is calling us as a church too. To do more of that. Or I feel God is saying to us in this season that if we're to emphasize that more. To look to him specifically for this. That's a bit of a word for the church. And those are so valuable. Often we build prayer and fasting times around them. Often they're, they're too um, potent to bring in a Sunday morning meeting because we need a bit more time to do something with them rather than just, just let it come and, and uh, fly by. So a couple of practical things. Try and share with a, a meeting host before or during. If you're sharing during the meeting, please try and, try and keep the description to one sentence because there's a song happening. We're having to make in-the-moment decisions. Is this for now? Is it for later? And we're trying to stay attuned to the, to the meeting and try and worship the Lord. Just say, I've got a word. It's not going to take me more than 30 seconds. And it's an encouragement in this direction or it's a word of knowledge. And then we, kind of, we don't want to micromanage exactly what you say. But the fact that you say you can do it briefly and it's this theme, using some of this common vocab, that's hugely helpful to us. You don't need to say where you got it. It, like when we're just talking in the moment. It's like we're just in the moment, in the meeting, just the smallest about it, amount of info uh, possible, please. Then also, don't put on blinkers. Um, and by the way, I feel like we're like Corinth. It's like it's, we've got so much prophetic life happening, we're now just tweaking it a bit. Um, but flow with what's happening in the moment. Now again, if you've, if you've come with this like two-minute thing that you're going to bring, it's very difficult for you to be flexible. But what happens if someone goes before you with a theme here? And if you just modified yours slightly or reframed it, it could really, it, it could really back that one theme uh, rather, rather than taking us off there. Now, sometimes it's fine to, fine to have, have two. But the point is, when you hold something, hold it, but hold it loosely and just keep your ears open. Like maybe you're ready with a worship booster, but the, the worship leader manages to bring something that does a similar job to what yours was going to do, it's like, then, oh, great, I don't need to. Or, hey, I've just got it in reserve, but I think, I think the job's done, really. So we, we, we stay alert to what's happening in the wider meeting. And again, I just want to say, this 30 seconds max thing, I really believe in this. And it's like a proper 30 seconds. It's not just an expression for two or three minutes. I think the 30 seconds max, is I've just found when we find out what the essence is and build around that, I think we get a better, better result usually. It's more manageable for us because we don't need notes, not turning to different scriptures and so, so we, can, we can just flow a bit more easily. Um, and it helps us to be a bit more flexible. So it had a couple of just great examples of this. Um, so on the last night of prayer and fasting, we were coming into land. It was about five to nine. Um, we were loving Jesus, but also looking forward to eating. And uh, Catherine comes up. We're worshiping at the end. And Catherine comes up and she says to me, um, are we winding down or is there room for one more? And I said, we're winding down. Why? What you got? Uh, she says a word about intimacy with Jesus going forward. And I think, oh man, this is good. But I don't want to exasperate, like, there's other things going on here. So I said, so any chance you can convert that to a prayer that would just help land us 
we can keep moving forward. And she said, sure. So she prayed this great prayer. Father, as we go from here, might we, might we enjoy your presence, Jesus? And we were all going, mm, mm. No one knew, oh, she's just prophesied, but she had brought something immediate from the Lord, just slightly reframed it, and it was just so palatable for everyone. It was wonderful. Um, then redirect encouragement. So uh, a few weeks ago, we were about to start baptisms. And um, a guy who will be nameless, but he walks like this. He, he came and said to me, um, got a word about how privileged we are to be in God's presence. And I just thought this is a worship booster deluxe. It's like to have a guy say, isn't it epic that we gather in God's presence? He was saying it in his way. This is how he was saying in his own words. But we're, God's with us. We're singing to him. It's every worship. It's, it's just like, yeah, get this in at the end of the first or second song. But I was leading the meeting and we're needing to get into baptisms. So I didn't want him to boost worship and then kill it because we're baptizing people. And there's guests and lots of people have come. So I said to him, do you think you can redirect that about the privilege of what we're about to witness? He goes, sure. <laughs> and so he goes, what we're, about to you know, what we're about to witness is such a privilege. Death to life, curse to blessing, dead in sin to alive in Christ. He just like tweaked it a bit and it was fantastic. Um, and sometimes, um, usually, most often, God will remind you of a scripture. You're reading it on Tuesday morning, and you think, this will be good for Sunday. Or, you're in worship, and you remember what you read on Tuesday morning, and you think, that would be brilliant for everybody. Why is it most common that we get these words from scripture? Because we're a people of the word, right? Sometimes you'll get a dream or a vision, but most often, it'll be from this, right? That doesn't always mean read the scripture to us. It means that's the essence of what God wants you to bring. You can bring it as a prayer. You can bring it as a prophecy. You can bring it as a, as a scripture. So this is our seedbed, but we don't just have the public reading of scripture. We also have, have, have prophecies. And I realize our time is nearly out. Share then chill when you bring a word. Um, preachers get Monday morning uh, blues about what they preached. It's like you're pretty pumped on Sunday afternoon, and then Monday morning you think, oh, I really could have done that better, and I went a bit over time, and I could have... It's often the same when we bring a word. You, you, you sit back down, you're glowing, but then a bit later you think, oh, I didn't really nail that. Hey, just chill. No second guessing. God's good. He's bigger than that. You did great. You can always keep it for another time. And don't think Sunday or bust. So you can keep it for small group. Keep it for prayer and fasting. Keep it for an individual. Or you can just enjoy the word yourself. Sometimes I've got a great word to bring to everyone else. I don't get a chance to get, bring it. I just enjoy it for myself. It makes me think about it myself. All right, guys. I'm just going to ask for your... We try to end at 11.30. But I just want to ask for your... Uh, just tolerance a little bit as your bottom gets sore and sore on these these chairs. Um, I just I don't want to leave. Just let's just finish up here. Um, eager and intelligent, praying for someone. Hit it. All right. So we've done praying in a prophesying in a meeting. 
The much more common front is, is when we're praying for one another. And it's very short and easy to learn how to do this. The big idea is to pray with our ears open, not just our mouth open. I pray, so if I'm praying for Jim after, after the meeting, just now, um, usually I, I, I just start to pray things that I know the Bible says that I should be praying for Jim. More life, more peace, more courage, more patience. Probably I'll remember that prophecy about asset that was brought to that king, and I'll pray, d- d- don't lose courage. Your work will bear fruit in the Lord. I will pray general to specific, but as I do, I'll listen for a little tug. I'll just feel in me, hmm, that. I might have a bit of an image. I was praying for someone in prayer and fasting. As I was praying for them, I saw someone, like just a computer game, someone steps on a platform, and then the platform just goes, weep, up to the next level. Like that, I don't, I'm not even a computer game guy. So I just wove it into the prayer. So I feel God's, God's saying, you're going to step on, it's like you're just going to go rapidly up, up to a new level, anticipate that, believe God for it, enjoy it. He's doing that. It may be just an emphasis. If you pray, you feel, you just feel, I want to emphasize praying for courage or for for comfort. Or or I just feel this person needs just to be, I need to emphasize to them that they really are loved by God no matter what. Listen to that emphasis. Um, It might be obvious. You know that they've just lost a friend in a tragic accident. They need consoling. You can bring words, prophetic words about how God will keep them. Um, sometimes I look around and see if I can get any, any good ideas. <laughs> You've got to be a bit careful on this one. But two of the most potent prophetic words that have ever been brought over me have been brought by, I think, a seven-year-old kid and an eight-year-old kid. We were, doing, we were practicing learning how to prophesy as a family. And, and I said, guys, just look around. God speaks. And then um, let's bring prophetic words over each other. And one kid looked around. Um, this is when we were inside. And he said, uh, he looked around, he saw a television. He said, Dad, you're like a TV. Lots of people watch you. And it like hit me to the heart. Because at that time, you know, some things are permissible, but not everything's beneficial. And I could act like that with perfect freedom of conscience, but will I stumble people? This is little kid says, Dad, you like a TV. Everyone's watching you. It just went, he didn't know, but God knew, but he brought a picture. And it just, oh. Remember, this was, that was 12 years ago or something, 10 years ago. And another one, which, which one of my other sons brought, we were outside doing another learning how to prophes- prophesy session. And um, there was a path and there were little bits of grass growing through the path, um, through the hard thing. And one son says, you're dead. Um, you're like, a, like a, a bit of grass that grows through even hard places. <laughs> it, was like, it was just like the voice of God to me. And it's like an encouragement that even, even when life's hard. Yeah, I did all the math on it. Wow, God, you're, you're my sap. I'm like a a tree planted by waters, but even when things, you can make something grow where nothing should be growing. It was just this little kid saying, looking around, looking around. There's a childlike element to this. We're not going all wacky. We've already hopefully said that. It's an intelligent but eager pursuit. So an image comes to mind. Just bring that. 
Um, then, yeah, pivot into from praying for peace or courage or whatever. So I feel God saying to you that he wants to encourage you that where there is no life, there can be life. Like a, like a grass coming from, you know, to follow on with that image. You, you just pivot into, I believe God wants to say this to you. Then trust him for the words. Then continue to pray. Pray into that thing you just brought. And I find groups of three are great. Sometimes when I'm praying for Jim, it's like I ain't got much. But if I'm praying for him with someone else, I can spark off something that they pray. Often their word or their prayer, I can feel that tug. I, I can feel um, something that I can launch into there. 